All right, we're going to start like this. Um, you're going to turn to someone near you and tell them your favorite non-biblical Christmas story. Ready, go. Don't tell them the story, just tell them which story. We don't have time to tell the whole story. All right, all right, settle down, people, settle down. I had no idea I was going to start arguments in every row. That was not my point. You know, uh, sometimes I ask, like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And then somebody yells, die hard, and then people get mad. And then today I'm like, I'm not asking about movies, I'll ask stories. And I'm hearing, die hard, die hard, die hard. Um, those of you who think die hard is a Christmas movie, God bless you. Um, <laughs> When I was a kid, if you had asked me uh, about my favorite Christmas stories, I would have told you about a Grinch who tried to steal Christmas and ended up with an enlarged heart. Or I would have, uh, I would have mentioned a singing snowman with a magical top hat. Or maybe I would have told you about a reindeer with a glowing red nose or a miracle that took place on 34th Street. Or maybe I would have told you about an angel named Clarence who saved George Bailey and all of Bedford Falls. Um, that, that for me growing up was really, those were my Christmas stories. And um, as I got a little older, say, say like middle school, is when I discovered poetry. And I'm a huge fan of poetry. And for those of you who are thinking, is this a joke? No, I really am a huge fan of poetry because you know what I found out in seventh grade? Chicks dig poetry. <laughs> That's what I learned. So um, it was at that time that, that if you asked me about a Christmas story, the thing that would enter my mind would not be a movie or a book or something, it would be a poem because um, I memorized back then a poem by Robert Frost called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, and I always associated it with Christmas. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. And always thought of Christmas when I thought of that poem because there's snowfall. You know, I grew up at the beach. There's no snowfall. There, there's snowfall and, and pine trees and it's the darkest evening of the year, which by the way is, is uh, December 21st, right? The darkest evening of the year and, and there's this horse drawing a sleigh and all of those kind of things that are associated with Christmas, and, and he has to move on because he has promises to keep. And I learned that that wasn't really a Christmas story, but then I started to realize as I was introduced to Scripture that maybe it's more of a Christmas story than I realized. 
Because after all, when you think about promises to keep, that's what Christmas is about. And so far in our perusal of stories related to Christmas in scripture, uh, we have heard uh, the story before the story. The story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the angel that appears to Zacharias in the temple and tells him that John is coming, the precursor, the one who will be the great prophet who will, who will lay the foundation and, and clear the path for the coming of the Messiah. And then last week we heard the story of a young Hebrew virgin girl by the name of Mary who was chosen by God for the incredible honor and the unbelievable burden of being the mother of Jesus. And we heard that story last week, and today I want us to think about two more Christmas stories. Stories that show us the love of God. Stories that remind us that God has promises to keep. And by the way, he never sleeps, so that's good news. The first promise concerns a young man by the name of Joseph. And truth be told, Joseph is not a major character in our Christmas stories. He just gets a few verses in our Bibles, and that's about it. Uh, he gets written out of the script really early on in the story, and we don't see him after the childhood of Jesus, so we don't really know what happened with him, and we don't really know him very well. We don't know a whole lot about him, but from what little we do know, there's a lot we can learn. Remember, we talked about this last week. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. And what that means is that in their culture, there was, it was generally a one-year season in which the bride and the groom came into this uh, literal legal commitment. It was as committed as what we would consider marriage today, far, far more of a commitment than dating or uh, Facebook official or anything like that. They were, actually, um, they were actually united as husband and wife, sort of, but they still lived separately. And Joseph uh, you know, was responsible for raising the dowry. Joseph was responsible for getting the household ready. Joseph was responsible for preparing everything in that year in which he was waiting. But she was already betrothed to him, which, mean, which meant that if for some reason the relationship had to be broken off, it would have to be done in the legal system. He would have to actually divorce her if he was going to do that. So remember, uh, they're betrothed at this point, but they're not living together. They're not sleeping together. He's going to have to wait until marriage for all of that. And the archangel Gabriel appears to Zacharias at this time, and, and he knows what's happening, but he can't talk. And then, as we saw last week, the same angel has appeared to Mary to fill her in on God's plan. Um, but Joseph, at the point where we're going to pick up the story, is still completely in the dark about the whole thing. And the story that Mary is going to have to tell him will be pretty much impossible to believe, right? And we're not told how she told him about this. We're not told if she, I would think she texted him. That would be what I would have done. <laughs> Just, it's safer, it's easier to do it that way. I don't know exactly how this all went down, but I try to picture that conversation. Now, let me just tell you, we're entering the extra biblical, this is Doug's imagination we're talking about now. But I could just imagine this conversation where she's like, um, Joseph, um, 
there's something I need to tell you, but you should probably sit down. I don't think you're going to like what I have to say. Joseph says, uh, sweetheart, there's nothing you could tell me that could change the way I feel about you. Mary says, yeah, <laughs> um, but, but this, this story is going to be really hard for you to believe. Mary, if you say it, it's true. I believe you. Um, well, yeah, it, 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 it turns out I'm pregnant. But don't worry, God is the father. <laughs> don't, don't worry, it's, it's not any other man. See, the Holy Spirit has come upon me and I am pregnant with the son of God. Girl, what kind of fool you take me for? <laughs> right? <laughs> what else is he gonna say? How stupid do you think I am? Like, I've heard some ridiculous stories. And I know I said, if you say it, I believe it, but I've changed my mind. And, and so God has to intervene. And the Bible doesn't tell us about that conversation. So I'm just guessing about how it might have gone. But here's what I do know. The result of the conversation was that Joseph decided to divorce her. That's what I know. Now, only Matthew and Luke among the gospel writers even mention anything about these prophecies or the, or the birth of Jesus or his childhood or anything. John and Mark skip right to his ministry and move right into that. But only Luke gives us the background story about John's miraculous conception and the prophecies of Zacharias. And Matthew just gives us the genealogy of Jesus and then he tells us something about Joseph's experience. So let's pick up Joseph's part of the story. It's in Matthew chapter one. First book of your New Testament. Open your Bibles with me and join me in Matthew chapter one. And let's see what poor Joseph had to go through. Matthew chapter one, beginning in verse 18. And, and by the way, I just love the way Matthew is just so matter of fact about this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Just one verse. Um, she was miraculously impregnated by the Holy Spirit and just moves right along. And Joseph, her husband, see, even though they're just betrothed, she's, he's her husband. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. We have every reason to believe that Joseph loves Mary. We have every reason to believe that Joseph doesn't want to hurt her. We talked last week about the fact that if, if, a, if a young woman became pregnant in that culture outside of marriage, the law allowed for her to be stoned to death. And we know that he doesn't want to hurt her. But the truth is, she's obviously either delusional or she's a liar or both. And either way, she is pregnant with a child that is not his. So let's not forget that this is an impossible situation that he finds himself placed into. So he decides that the, the loving thing to do is to just set her up somewhere else in another town. 
He's going to send her away secretly. And he's going to make sure that she has a chance to get her start there. And then he is going to move on with his life after divorcing her. But then guess who shows up? Another angel. There's angels all over this story. Pick it up in verse 20 with me. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus." So the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and confirms Mary's story. And um, he tells Joseph not to be afraid to take her as his wife. And so what does Joseph do? He does exactly what the angel told him to do. No ifs, no ands, no buts. No excuses, no questions. In fact, out of all these stories we've seen so far about angelic announcements of these coming births, he's the only one who doesn't question it. He just does what God tells him to do. And he takes her as his wife. And it says he kept her a virgin until after the baby is born. And as you fast forward this story now, you're gonna be looking at a cave in the hillside outside of Bethlehem. Now I know that in our homes, we have these nativity scenes and they're all with a three-sided wooden stables with the manger inside, but if you've ever seen what the topography is in that area, that would not have been the case. The way that they would have kept animals would have been in these caves that were cut, not even cut, just naturally built into the hillside. If you go to Bethlehem and look at the hills, you'll see all these natural caves and those are what were used for the keeping of animals. And so as I picture this story, they're not in a three-sided wooden uh, shed. Instead, they're probably in a cave at night outside of town. By now, Joseph has lit a fire. It is dark. It is cold. His wife has just given birth. Now, I just, these are the things we don't think about when we hear these lovely stories and we look at our nativity scene. Like any of you ladies who have given birth, how were you feeling right afterwards? Like she was recovering from a very traumatic physical experience, right? And so she's trying to get some sleep. There's the baby lying in a manger. And what do you suppose Joseph is doing? I guarantee you I know what he's doing. He is forcing himself to stay awake all night because he is out there in the wilderness with no protection, no safety, and he has to keep an eye on his wife and his new baby. And that's his job. And so I picture him just sitting there and watching by night and trying to keep his eyes open as much as he can. And that is when the intruders show up. The very thing he was concerned about 
was that maybe there would be some intruders. Maybe there would be somebody who would try to jump them. I mean, there were travelers all over and sleeping outside at this time, right? Because of the taxation and the need to go to your hometown. And so there they were, and, and, and he probably smelled them before he saw them. Because these guys smell like sheep. And as they're coming toward him in the darkness... He is getting this whiff and realizing, uh uh-oh, there's something going on. He's hearing more than one set of footprints, and he's hearing this group approaching. And, And again, I don't know what you think of when you think of shepherds, all of the pictures and the little ceramic things and all of our nativity sets. They're like precious moments characters, right, and stuff like that. And, and, and you, you picture them as these little boys that are harmless. Listen, shepherds were detestable and shepherds were scary. They lived outside of town. They lived in the wilderness. A group of shepherds coming upon this, this site at night would have been like all of a sudden you start hearing the sound of motorcycles and the hell's angels pull up in front of your house. That's what he was dealing with. And he looks up and sees these shepherds coming to him. But these shepherds weren't there to hurt Jesus. They were here to worship Jesus. But where did they come from? I know you know the answer to that story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. How do they know to come and find him? Well, it seems that this angel who's constantly blabbing cannot keep his mouth shut about this. And so he's announcing this newborn king out in the wilderness to this group of shepherds. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke's gospel. So pass the book of Mark and go to the book of Luke and go to Luke chapter two. And we're gonna pick this up in verse eight. And I'll just tell you right now for the record, I can't read this as well as Linus read it, but I'm gonna read you that same passage anyway, because here's what it says in Luke chapter two, verse eight. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let's just stop there. So our nativity scene is starting to fill out, right? We've already got Joseph, we got him in his place, we got Mary in her place, we got the baby Jesus in the feeding trough there where he's supposed to be, and now our shepherds have come to join, and our nativity scene is beginning to fill out. Now, I know that at home, you got three wise men, but let me just tell you, they weren't there. They didn't come till later. There weren't only three of them. We have no idea how many of them there were. That story is mostly made up. The bottom line is that the magi came when he was a child to his house and worshiped him there, but keep them in your nativity scene because they're cool and your grandmother probably made it and all that. I get it, okay? (laughs) 
That being said, now our nativity scene is filling out. Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and the shepherds. So it's Mary who has heard from an angel, and Joseph who has heard from an angel, the shepherds who have heard from an angel, and Jesus who created the angels. That's who we have there on the scene. And with the exception of Jesus, they all got there the same way. They were given promises to start their Christmas stories. I don't know where Christmas finds you this year. Um, You may be at the top of the mountain rejoicing. You may have a thousand new things to praise God for. You may be so excited about what's coming right around the corner. You may be excited about planning for the holidays. You may be having just the greatest Christmas season ever. I cracked up at Phil this morning. Where's Phil? I don't know where Phil is. He left. (laughs) Phil's in the restroom. Hey, Phil, we'll wait for you. Come on. He, he comes up and he says, hey, good morning. Thanks for braving the elements. I'm like, yeah, it was like 65 and sunny this morning. This was tough to get here. But as you've been suffering through the challenges of this Christmas season, I don't know what you've been dealing with. You also might be on the complete opposite side of that discussion. You, you might be mourning the loss of a loved one. You might be fearful about something that's coming around the corner. You might be in doubt. You might be struggling in your faith. You might be in broken relationships. You might be financially hurting. There's a lot of places where, uh, in a group this size, that God may find you this morning. Most of us are probably somewhere in between. But wherever Christmas finds you, I want to make sure you don't miss something in the Christmas story. God has promises to keep. And God always keeps his promises. So let's review, right? We have promises, first of all, that are made to Mary. Look in in, uh, Luke uh, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, just to review this. Here's what he says to Mary in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the household of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. There's a promise to Mary that launches her Christmas experience. Then there's a promise to Joseph. Just leave a finger there in Luke and go back to Matthew again and go to Matthew chapter two and let's see the promise that comes to Joseph. Verses 20 and 21. Uh, Matthew chapter two, is it Matthew 1, 20 and 21? Yeah, Matthew one, sorry, I, I wrote it down wrong. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Watch for the promise. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. By the way, anybody know what Jesus means? It means Savior. It means save us. He's named after Joshua. In, in, uh, in Hebrew, it's pronounced Yeshua, and it, and it means Savior. You will call him your Savior, and he will save his people from their sins. 
That's a pretty good promise. Now you may be thinking, okay, so Mary gets a promise, very specific promise, a very specific calling. Joseph gets a very specific promise and if I've taught you anything about how to interpret the Bible, hopefully you've learned by now that we don't get to just pick other people's promises out of scripture and make them our own promises, right? So you're like, okay, those are promises for them, but are they really promises for me? That's a great question, I'm glad you asked. Congratulations on your scholarship. Um, But let me remind you of this. There's also a promise to the shepherds. Luke chapter two and beginning in verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for who? All the people. This is for all the people. Today in the city of David there has been born for you. For who? All the people. There has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. The promise of Christmas is a promise for all the people. And so when those angels break out and start singing about good news of glad tidings and peace among men with whom he is pleased, that is God saying, hey, Christmas means that I have a plan for your life that is so far beyond anything you could do for yourself. I'm sending you a savior to set you free. Uh, It's a reminder that God saw us trapped in the prison of our sin. But he loved us so much that he placed his only son not just on earth, but in the womb of an unmarried, poor, peasant Hebrew girl. And he did that to set us free. That's why we sing today, I am free, I am free. He came to set us free, free from the tyranny of sin free from the power of guilt and shame, free from the hopelessness that comes because of our rebellion against him. The promise of Christmas is the promise of freedom. That is God's Christmas gift to us. But the story doesn't end with the promises. We also get to see the various responses to the promises. After listening to what the angel told her, Mary's response is very simple. Luke chapter one, verse 38, look what she says. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And Joseph awakes from his angelic dream and his response was also very simple and very straightforward. We saw it in Matthew chapter one, verse 24. Remember it says, and he awoke and went and did just as he was told to do. And, and, and the shepherds, they heard from a whole host of angels because first an angel appears to, to these shepherds, gives them this good news, and before they can even say anything, suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly there appeared with the angel an entire host of angelic creatures and they filled the sky. And I know that we think that they sang exactly the same kind of Gloria and Excelsis Deo song that we sing. But did you know, just to screw up your Christmas, <laughs> not only were the Magi not at the manger, but there's nothing in the Bible that says these angels sang at all. It just says they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. But I bet they sang it, don't you? I'm pretty sure they must have sang it. 
Um, you see, it's one thing to hear about this. It's one thing to hear about this amazing thing, but there in Luke chapter two, when the, when the, um, when the angels have made their pronouncement, verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. It was just another day at work for the shepherds. Remember, these are disrespected. These are poor. These are... um, Uh, people who don't even get to live inside the community. These are people who are religiously kept from even going into the temple because they're unclean, because of their dealings with the animals. These are people that nobody would expect God to reach out to in any kind of a special way. And yet God has come to them. Don't miss that in the Christmas story. Don't miss the fact that this is not about me being good enough that I get to God. This is about me being who I am and just a regular day at work and God shows up. This is about God loving me so much that he's not willing to let my day just be regular anymore. This is about God being so committed to me that he has decided that he will pay an incredible price in order to set me free from my sin. This is about God saying, I have come to offer you peace which you could never ever get for yourself. It's just a regular day for these shepherds. But suddenly there's an angel and suddenly there's a message And suddenly there's a host of angels praising God and their response is to get up and immediately go to where Jesus is. When the Lord reaches out to you, when the Lord opens your eyes, when the Lord touches your heart, when the Lord gives you faith to believe, what is the appropriate next step? The appropriate next step is to come to Jesus. That's what he's called us to. That's what Christmas is about. It's about God's invitation for us to come to him. It's about God wrapping his arms around us and gathering us in. And so he invites them in this way. You see, it's one thing to hear about these promises. It's another to respond in obedience. And by the way, once they had seen the child, it says they went back. And when they went back, what were they doing? Glorifying and praising God. Their lives changed forever that day. And we don't have time to get into the story of the Magi, but when the Magi came, you know, the king had said to them, hey, if you find this newborn king, make sure you tell me where he is because he wanted to have him killed. And you know what the scripture says? That the Magi, having been prompted, went home another way. And it always struck me that the scripture says that they, once you come to Christ, you go home another way. And, and that's what happened with the shepherds. They were transformed. 
Their lives were changed. They went from just the humdrum every day, gotta get through this thing, to having reason to praise God and worship and exalt him and tell his story to other people. You see, it's one thing to hear about the promises, but it's another to respond in obedience and worship. And if Christmas reminds us of anything, besides die hard, (laughs) it's that God has made us a hope-filled promise. And my friends, God always keeps his promises. Mary was never the same. Joseph, never the same. The shepherds, never the same. The magi were never the same. The disciples were never the same. Mary Magdalene, never the same. The thief on the cross, never the same. Why? Because there's good news of glad tidings, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. My prayer for us this Christmas, my prayer for you, is that this Christmas season and always, you will also believe God's promises, respond to God's promises by coming to Jesus, receive God's peace, be filled with God's hope, And that as a result of these promises that God is keeping, you will never be the same either. That's the promise of Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, on this day as we approach the Christmas holiday that has been set aside to say, hey, this is the day we're gonna worship and praise you for what you've done in sending your only son On this day, we find ourselves, um, in many cases, burdened by many burdens. We find ourselves distracted by many things. We find ourselves confused by many circumstances. We find ourselves caught up in the humdrum day-to-day of life and wondering if there's not more to it than this. And here comes the angel to bring us good news, glad tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto us has been born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God, we want to say thank you that while we were not looking for you, you looked for us. We thank you that while we had nothing to offer you, you offered us everything. We thank you that while we're in, caught up in the prison of the tyranny of our own sin and our own choices, you sent your son to set us free. We thank you for the awesome price that was paid, not just in hanging on the cross, but in leaving the throne of heaven in the first place. What an incredible God you are and how blessed we are to be your children. This Christmas, may we live in the hope of the promises of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.